Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you've done Well, good evening, and welcome to the Stop Child Abuse Now show. And um, I'm Carol Levine, I'm Vice President, and I will be running tonight's show. And I have with me Annie. She's here, and she's a NASA member, too. Yeah, hi. Say hi to everybody out there. Hi, Um, everyone. There you go. And uh, so what we're going to do tonight, uh, Michelle Bless wasn't able to make it. She's had, um, well... Unfortunately, her father passed away, and they have family business that they have to take care of and so forth. So uh, tonight I'll be the survivor professional, and uh, we will speak about several things that I've I've chosen for us to speak about. Many times you know that I speak about uh, prevention, intervention, and recovery. Of course, that's part of our mission statement, and it's in our mission statement. And But we never really talk about intervention, okay? And uh, that's not an easy thing for people to do, but I I, I do want to talk a little bit about that. But let me get the uh, mission statement out of the way first, okay? We have a singleness of purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so from two different ways. That's how I say it, Annie. <laughs> okay, two different ways. And uh, number one is educating the public, especially as related to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and it does. Um, you know, kids are getting into trouble. Why are they getting into trouble? But we have to learn to look into their homes, okay? You go inside of the house, and you see what type of environment they come from. And uh, then you'll know where some of the problem lies, okay? Okay, so offering hope for healing through numerous pairs and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Now, again, I always speak about prevention. I still feel... That that's uh, the three. That's a very very heavy thing, because um, if we teach our children the right way how to protect themselves, it can certainly help. Okay, it's not going to solve the whole problem, but it'll certainly help a lot of kids. And uh, what to look out for? The red flags. There's so many things on our website, which is naasca.org. 
That's NASCA.org. And uh, you'll scroll down. You can go right along with us if you want tonight. Um, if you scroll down a little ways on NASCA.org, you'll see the red blocks. I refer to them as blocks. And, and each block has a different subject, okay? So uh, not the very last one to the right, but the one right next to it, it says prevention, okay, and intervention. You click on to that. And um, and then go down about any, well, you count because I'm not going to use this other computer, okay? It wanted to update. And this isn't the time for that to do that. Nine, so nine, I think it's like nine, five, four, five. Is it like nine? It's the ninth. It's the ninth article. Yes. Okay. Good. Okay. So the ninth article down actually does speak about one of the things I'm going to speak about tonight, Annie and I, and um, it is about intervention and it is an adult activity. Kids are not going to so often, you know, go and. talk about the person who's abusing them. I don't care who that person might be because we know so often that they've been threatened. If you open up your mouth and tell, I'm going to kill you, that's what I used to be told. Or if you open up your mouth, you're a a snotty-nosed kid and no one's going to agree with you or believe you anyway and they're going to think you're telling stories. By the way, stats say that 99.5% of children do not tell stories, okay? They tell the truth. Sometimes if it is, you know, an, uh, a situation where it's a court battle and children are in with uh, a parent and uh, the parent says, now, when you get to court, you say this, blah, 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 you know, they tell them what to say and what not to say. Yes, that can happen. But it's it's rare because usually the kid breaks down. That's what happens, Okay. And then uh, everything is re, uh, you know, they, they look at it again, the whole situation. So they say, you know, like 99.5% of the time the kids are telling the truth. So anyway, the point that we want to make tonight, which is uh, I think it's pretty um, interesting and also it's, it's important because, you see, the police actually, they need our help when it comes to child abuse, in the sense that they're hoping that people, neighbors, now I'm speaking of community also when I say neighbors, okay, that they will come forth and, um, you know, make that phone call, use the tip line. Um, Every area that you live in, you can always call the police and you can say that so-and-so, you believe that so-and-so down the street is, is being abused, okay? And um, that gives them some idea maybe to look into the situation, at least go to the house. And a lot of times people, though, are afraid to, uh, you know, to divulge information because they're frightened that they're going to get hurt themselves. Then we always tell them to call, and it says that right here in this article, right from our own website, call the 1-800-4-A-CHILD number. You can always remain anonymous. By remaining anonymous, though, that's fine because, you see, you've done your job. You've done your job because uh, they will help you. They have trained counselors, and uh, they know how to speak to you, you know, just like we do here at NASCA, and uh, what information to get from you and so forth and so on. 
and uh, they'll also guide you, you know, uh, as to what you should do. Okay. Now, you've already made the phone call, and that's a good thing. Well, when, when the police go to, um, you know, they, they call, someone calls and they say they hear domestic violence or maybe a kid is being um, abused, and, uh, but they're not sure, the police would much rather go to your house or go to that house, rather, and, and see that everything's okay. Don't ever be afraid of making a mistake. I have a lot of officer friends, and they have said to me many a time, we would much rather go to a house where nothing is happening than go to a house, because they're always being put in harm's way. They are being put in harm's way. They, you know, they, there might be weapons, they might have this, they might have that. There's all different kinds of things that could be uh, waiting for them when they get over there, okay? But the point is, with a child, uh, you could be that child's hero just by making a phone call. So the police always have a tip line, and the police department. And if you feel that uh, a child is in trouble... That's certainly the way to go because it takes the community's action also. Police cannot be everywhere at all the time. And they don't live in the house. But many times neighbors know what's going on. They just don't say anything, do they, Annie, because they're scared, right? Or they don't want to get involved. That so often can happen. And that's not a good thing. So we're always asking, you know, for the people to get much more involved. First of all, it's not an easy thing to recognize child abuse. Um, If there's no scarring or if there's no bruises on the outside, you know, on the children's arms and so forth or on their legs, say it's summertime, and uh, many times uh, if they are being abused, even physically, say physically abused, um, they'll be told to wear long sleeve shirts and long pants, even if it's 95 degrees out, because they, you know, they don't want the outside community to see what's going on with them. They simply don't, and uh, because they're trying to hide the fact that they're abusing the child. So there's something that becomes suspicious with right there, a kid walking around with long sleeve shirts when it's 95 degrees out, okay? And many times that child will walk with their head held down. They will. They'll walk with their head held down. Maybe they don't have any friends. Um, They're not likely to make eye contact. Uh, A lot of us don't make eye contact or didn't when we were children. I was one of them. Annie, did you make eye contact? Did you feel ashamed or whatever? I felt very ashamed. I don't think I could make eye contact, no. But I make a point to do it today. I am able to now. That's good. Me too. So, but I was—I know what it feels like. I mean, I, if I had to make eye contact with someone, I, it actually hurt my eyes. <laughs> I know that sounds funny. But... um I didn't want to look at that person. It was out of, I felt dirty. Do you know what I mean by that, Annie? I felt dirty, even though it wasn't oh, my problem. I mean, it totally. was my problem, but it wasn't my fault. You do know, don't you? I, I do know. I, I remember thinking 
that I was one of the dirty kids, you know? I was I mean, I wasn't physically dirty, but I certainly felt that I was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the truth. And then there's so many of us out there that feel that way or felt that way as children. And, um, you know, another thing it says, next people need to learn how to talk to children in a non-threatening way. Now, you have the article in front of you somewhere. I think it's number three or whatever. I numbered them to make it easier. But um, it does say in the beginning of the article, next people need to learn how to talk to a child in a non-threatening way. If they suspect a child is being abused, you don't walk up to them and say, hey, kid, you know, come here, let me look at you. <laughs> you don't do that. No. First of all, you have to gain the, the child's trust. Okay. Eh, say you're at the the park or something, and and you go and you sit close to the kid, and maybe the kid's on the swing, and you start talking and yak yak, whatever, whatever. And uh, so you say to the child, you know, hey, how's it going anyway? You know, say they have brothers or sisters. You know, they have brothers or sisters, right? They haven't seen your brother around lately. Is he okay? Well, what's going on? Is he sick or something? And, and you know, you end up doing that a few times. You see the kid at the park, but never overbearing. Never overbearing, because you don't want to frighten the child. What you want to do is what's best for the child. So what you do is you sit down, finally, at one point, and you say, hey, it's like um, 95 degrees out here. Aren't you hot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I, 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 you know, and if the child is uncomfortable, you don't make that comment again. But you're letting him know or her know that you see it. And uh, it might take some time to get that child's trust. But you're the only outside link, maybe, that that child has. So it's very important to sit and speak to the child, but never in a way that's going to intimidate him or her, okay? This takes role playing. This is another thing where I think people should role play. I'm serious. But, um, okay, so... Next, people need to learn how to talk, yes, to the child, non-threatening. Many times there are obvious changes in behavior. You you know this kid from the the block, okay? And the behavior of the child is as such maybe that child was a happy, bouncy, you know, type of kid and was playing, if it's a, a little boy was playing baseball and stuff, whatever they do. I don't know, Annie, do they play baseball anymore? (laughs) Everything's the phone and this and that and games. I don't know. But, you know, I hope they do because it's good for them. I think they do. Do they? (laughs) They do, right? I think they do. Yeah, I don't watch it myself. Yeah. So anyway, okay, so you see a change in this kid's behavior. Maybe he's not doing it anymore. He's not, you know, being with the other boys. He's not talking. Um and uh, he becomes maybe introverted, okay? He wants to be by himself or herself. And uh, so this is important. That's a big change right there. Something is wrong. So, so far, what do you have? You have a kid that's wearing long sleeves, um, long pants who used to wear shorts or, or whatever, and um you know, and, and all of a sudden they're wearing, you know, they're wearing shirts and, and long pants because they don't want people to see their bruises, and, and they don't want to be questioned either, even though they know their parents, you know, it's wrong for them to hit them. They know better than to say anything because 
many times they've been threatened Mm -hmm. by the parents or by uh, a close member in the family, whatever. Now, that's the physical abuse. The sexual abuse is something that's even harder to detect. And the reason being is, with this kid, you might see some bruises. Maybe they have bruises on the face, okay? Um, But when a child is being sexually abused, if they're, uh, and I'm not trying to be funny. We all know I like to laugh and all this stuff. But if the kid is, um, you know, like walking funny because they have been assaulted, right, Annie? Yes, that's exactly the first thing I thought of was that, yeah, if they they walk funny, they've been hurt. Yes. And maybe maybe um, they're itching themselves, too, funny. You know, like they can have whatever it is that maybe, maybe, maybe they've gotten chlamydia or maybe they've gotten this or that. I mean, all kinds of things can happen. You get all mm-hmm. STDs many times, many times, not all the time, but many times. And uh, so the child, you know, is scratching. If it's a younger child, okay, um, one thing that I've observed is if a child is young, uh, say, I'm going to say like four or five years old, many times they're saying words that are not appropriate, uh, you know, words that more adult kids would say or, or even adults themselves, you know. And um, I'm not going to say them on air, but people can use their imagination, <laughs> right? But they'll think to themselves, okay, now, now the kid is saying weird things. I know that there's a problem. You've got enough to go to the police. You do. So you go to the police department, and um, some people prefer to call if you really feel intimidated yourself or just feel like it's a bad deal, you know, to get um, involved with it. Um, At least you're doing something because most people do nothing. So if you at least make a phone call or if you have, you know, enough caring in you um, and you observe the kid and you have all this information that you can give to, you know, the police department and uh, so forth and so on, then they will do an investigation. And also, too, the police department is a little bit the hands are tied. I know this. I had police department uh, people working at detention. There's certain things that you can't do, and that's when they turn it over many times to social services, CPS, whatever, DIFUS, whatever. And, okay, I'm not going to give my opinions on them, but the point is this. uh, If two get involved, if CPS, I like CPS better because of my own experiences, uh, CPS became involved in my family, and they were very good. Not everyone can say that, but I can. So if CPS, along with the police department, gets involved, then you have two, okay, organizations involved. You have the police department and you have CPS. And, of course, they're very well trained, you know, in the organizations. And they can tell things, and they certainly know how to question children, uh, what to say, what not to say, and all this other stuff. Well, guess what? If they decide that the child is in terrible harm and dangerous way. And, uh, you know, they will suggest, they will suggest that the child be removed from the home 
And not all foster care is bad, okay? I want people to know this. In fact, we've had a guest on who over the years had 35 foster children in his care, and he and his wife did it for 35 years. And uh, finally they got too old, all right? And uh, But they would say at times, we've had them on the show several times, I know they're very sick right now. I'm not going to bother them. But um, they were from Keyport. They're very good people. Now, uh, if a kid comes back to you, say, at Christmas time or on your birthday or or whatever the the situation might be, you know you did a good job, okay, with that kid. So I just want people to know that not all foster homes are bad. A lot of them are good, too. You have the good and you have the not good. And hopefully the kid gets into a good foster care system. Now, so what you've done, and I have a friend, in fact, who was in foster care, and she thought the world of those people, and still does to this day, and goes and sees them, goes and visits them. Unfortunately, some of them in the family have passed away because... They died from old age. But the point is, um, you did a fine thing. Let's go back to the beginning. You did a fine thing. You stepped forward. You stepped up. You got the police involved, and because the way the police department does work, they get social services involved. They did an investigation. The child was removed. The child was put in a proper foster care home. And all this takes time. We're not talking about bup, 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 bup like that. But it does happen. And, uh, you know, the kid turned out all right. So you see, you did the right thing. Now, if people in communities, of course, I'm, I'm referring to mostly urban communities. This doesn't happen. I mean, you, know, it's, you can't say it doesn't happen in the country because... People will say, oh, it doesn't happen in the country. Well, yes, it does. It happens everywhere. But it's more concentrated in the urban areas. So I use that as an example. But to be a good citizen and to be a child's hero, I really honestly believe that we, the survivors, are going to be the ones that are going to help make the change. Okay. But it's going to take more work on our part. Don't turn your back, okay? If you see a kid getting smacked in the head, um, don't just stand there and make a phone call. You don't even have to approach the person. In fact, I suggest that you don't. Just make a phone call. This is what I've observed. I think there's a problem, and it should be looked at. Now, you're going, to, you're going to be helping that kid out because, you see, they'll think in their brains and their minds and their simple minds, these monsters, I call them monsters, you never know who's watching. It might make them think. It might help. So, you see, when I 
do use all this material, and a lot of it comes from right from my website. And other things, no. I go to Psychology Today. I've worked with that. And uh, some of the other organizations and so forth. I get a lot of interesting things, and I try to help community to understand just how important they are because community is important to kids. Okay. All right. So number five, reassure the child that they are not in trouble and have done nothing wrong themselves. Because, Annie, what did you just say a little while ago? You said you felt dirty. And, and also a lot yep. of times kids, yeah, they feel You're ashamed. Guilty. And guilty, yeah. yeah, guilty. There's a lot of little things that kids go through. I mean, it's such, a, ugh, such an awful thing, child abuse. It just is awful. All right, so you're telling the child, you're reassuring the child that it is not his or her fault, that they're in a bad situation, and you're going to help them. But keep their mouth shut. All right? this, I always say don't keep secrets, but in a case like this, the kid doesn't have to go home and say, hey, so-and-so down the block said they're going to do, <laughs> you, know, go, go do you know what I'm saying. No. I, in order for us to be friends and for me to help you, um, let's keep this between us, and I'm going to get you the help that you need. There's nothing wrong with saying that. And again, reassure the child that they did nothing wrong. Okay, and they did nothing wrong in reaching out for help. All right, number six, kids are reluctant and many times scared to discuss this problem, painful experience, maybe because they have been so threatened by the abuser. Again, we mentioned that earlier because, quite frankly, they have uh, some monster saying to them, you know, you do that, I'm going to beat the hell out of you. You think you're beaten now? Wait until you get home or whatever the heck they're doing to them. We speak about physical, mental, emotional, sexual, and neglect abuse. And some of us have been through it all. All right? All right, finally, when an adult has enough to be suspicious of, of abuse, yes, then they go and they report it. And I, as I've written already, and I already know it, I, I know it by heart, but um, the two organizations will work together. Police need all the help they can get. Now, Annie, you see that in the article right in front of you. Police need yeah. all the help, yeah. They can get because they don't live in the victim's house. That's the way I worded it, but it means the same thing. Many times neighbors know more than anybody else what's going on. And it's very, very important to be helpful and to help that kid and cooperate. And, again, if you're wrong for whatever reason, even if you have all these things that look like there's a problem, and to me I just mentioned three or four things that look like there's a problem, still better for the police to find nothing. Okay, and it's written here, social workers from organizations like CPS play a big role, and uh, if deemed necessary for the welfare of the child, they should be removed from the house for the sake and safety of the child. And then it says police also hope for tips to come in. They can be made by, it can be made anonymously, and you've done your job. It should be everyone's job. You don't have to be a mandated reporter to do what I'm speaking about. And if we only, if we, quite frankly, now this is me talking, okay, 
if we rely, and Annie, you think about it too, if we rely on mandated reporters, we know that many times they have failed, haven't they, in different organizations. They keep their mouths shut rather than to report. Now, no one should have to, you know, live, say, in, in a school, say, like with Penn State, I mentioned that once in a while, what those kids went through. Or other, there's so many organizations, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, they're looking into the Girl Scouts too. Um, any organization that works with kids, okay, that's where pedophiles align themselves with work because that way their prey, P-R-E-Y, is right there. But they go through all the things that we just spoke about. Now, Annie, in front of you, you have mm-hmm. two columns, okay? Why don't you read them mm-hmm. of, of things that people can see? Go ahead. So you mean the indicators of sexual yes. abuse in young children? Yes. Yes. Okay, there's two columns. The first one's on young children, exactly. and the second column's on older children. So here's the young children. Sleep Mm -hmm. disturbances, bedwetting and or loss of fecal control, regressive behavior, self-destructive or risk-taking behavior, impulsivity, distractibility, difficulty concentrating, refusal to be left alone, fear of an individual, such as an alleged offender. Fear of people of a specific type or gender. Fire setting, cruelty to animals, problems relating to peers, sudden changes in behavior, difficulties in school, inappropriate interest for their age in things sexual. That's the list for young children. Boy, I yeah, sure could have checked off all of those about my family. Yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm trying to think if any of these are not true of my family. Yeah, no, I think pretty much because um, the abuse was more than just me. It was sexual abuse. And... Mm-hmm. Um, there was fire setting and there was injury to animals. Oh, I didn't geez. do those things, I'm glad to say, but it was it was there. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, risk-taking behavior, yeah. I used to go and I used to climb trees next to the freeway that, like, oh, God. back <laughs> in the early yeah, in the early days, the early freeway when they, you know, it was kind of new and it had the old trees from the old neighborhood. And I used to climb and sit up there over the freeway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's and definitely risky. risky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, fear, fear of an individual. I think mine turned more into kind of a hate of an individual. I think if anyone had seen the way that I interacted with my father, they would have wondered why I hated him so much. Well, it was because he was abusing me, you know. That's why. But that's something to watch out for, I think, is if if a kid is real hateful toward a parent. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. 
Let's see, inappropriate well, interest in things sexual. I don't remember. I don't remember thinking about things sexual. I I don't think I knew it was a sexual thing when when I was a kid. You know, it was a thing, but I didn't know it was a sexual thing. How old were you when you were first abused? I was a babe in arms. I have memories of being held and being abused. Good God. And and of sitting on the chair where my feet wouldn't hit the ground, you know, when you're too little Uh for your feet to go all the way down. I remember being that big, too. Uh Uh And I don't know how long it went on because I had a nervous breakdown in the fifth grade. So I'm thinking Uh it might have gone on till then. But Uh I'm not sure. Uh Well, you see, that's why you can um, look at all the things that you just read and you can identify so well with them. A lot yes. of us on NASCA go through the same thing. You know, it's terrible. I think that's why we're on NASCA. <laughs> you know, when you, you talk about it, we we don't want to see kids go through what we go through, okay? No. Or what we went through. Now, the last one of the last shows I, I ran, um, I promised to uh, say, okay, we know about pedophiles because they like kids who are prepubescent, okay, prepubescent, a lot of us many times before the age of eight, okay. And so you have the pedophiles. And then you have, and this is, it, it had, I couldn't think of the word. I couldn't think. I did. My mind went blank. Oh, my God. <laughs> but um, hemophilia is a strong, persistent sexual interest in early adolescence, typically aged before 12, say 12 to 14, 12 to 14. Now, because someone had asked me, well, okay, you always talk about the pedophiles. What about the teenagers? And they are called hebephilia. So that's H-E-B-E-P-H-I-L-L-A. Hebophilia. So that's why, you know, you, you think to yourself, well, that person is not a, a pedophile because they're always going after, you know, like young teenage girls. And they, they put in like the 11, 12-year-olds in that category as well. Many times, you know, uh, 12-year-old girls are, are starting to develop. A true pedophile doesn't like um, a, a developed child, okay? They like the smaller kids, the younger kids, the ones that uh, who can't fight back, the ones that are most innocent. You know, they, they don't know anything. Like you're saying, what were you telling me? That's terrible. Um, you know, at that age, and certainly you're not going to have, uh, you know, any type of development. No one would at that age. So it's the, the, the pedophiles that go after the younger. I was six when mine started with the, uh, you know, the sexual abuse. And uh, went on until I was 17, for God's sake, in different situations, which I won't go into now, but different situations. Not my story, okay. Tonight we're trying to teach and to learn about what people in the community can spot, okay, if they see certain types of behavior. Now, and then they can go to the police, for God's sake, um, what if it was somebody in your family? Wouldn't you want someone to help? I sure wish I had a hero, okay? 
Oh, yeah. You oh, bet. Yeah. Sometimes I just get mad when people just, you know, they see someone smack a kid really hard in the head. Not that they should smack him in the head at all. <laughs> soft or hard, you know. But the point is they get smacked in the face. How humiliating. I got smacked in the face in, in, in public. I remember how it made me feel. And and uh, that's horrifying. Um, if it's behind closed doors, it was bad enough. But if you get smacked in the public, you know, in, in the stores or wherever the heck you're in, that that is just so, 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 so uh, hurtful emotionally, psychologically to a child. They're going to suffer from all different kinds of maladies, all different kinds of, of uh, brain dysfunction, everything. And uh, we're going to have someone on pretty soon. Um, oh, I think I have her for the 15th. I think I told Bill the 15th. It's on a Thursday. And um, she will be coming on once a month. And uh, her name is Sonova. I'm not going to say any more. But um, she is a, a coach, and um, she'll be trying to help people get out of being a victim Okay, trying to step. I get so many calls and and uh, in the a.m. It's all done. A lot of times it starts in the afternoon. They have to wait until the a.m. But uh, people, you know, are victims and they don't know how to take that first step. You know, it's very difficult. I can be on the phone for two hours at a time with one person. You know, it's 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 hard. All right, now the child abuse is hard. So now we know we have pedophiles, we have hebophilia, or hebophilia, whichever the way they pronounce it. Now, on the second part of that page, it, it, you deal with the teenagers. Now, what time, I don't yes. think there's many things on that page, if I remember correctly, but um, there's quite a few. Go ahead and read off that list. Then we can okay. compare it. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Indicators of sexual abuse in older children include eating disturbances, overeating, bulimia, and anorexia, running away, I ran away, substance abuse, self-destructive behavior, suicide attempts, Mm -hmm. self-mutilation, incorrigibility, criminal activity, depression and social withdrawal, problems relating to peers, sudden changes in behavior, anger issues, and difficulties in school. Well, okay, so to compare the two things that you read the first one with the younger children and then the uh, older children, the teenagers. Um, Many kids have trouble in school, whether they're young or whether they're, you know, a little bit older. So they have that in common. Um, The running away, now that's usually, I, I I started running away when I was 15, okay. I take off to the streets. I didn't care. I feel better there than go to what I was doing, you know, at home. Didn't want to be there. So um, the little kids are not so apt to run away, okay, not usually because they're too scared to do that. But one thing that you said, which is very, very true with the kids, all of a sudden, uh, maybe Uncle Joe, I'll just use that, um, 
would tickle them and they'd play and they'd have fun together and all this other stuff. Well, maybe Uncle Joe went a little too far and he wasn't just tickling or right? doing touchy-feely type things. And a child, mm-hmm. even like you said, okay, you said that, um, and it's true, um, they may not understand what's going on, but they have a sensibility about them, little children. They have a sensibility where they know that they're starting to feel uncomfortable, you know, around that person because they know that something's not quite right, but they don't know what it is because they're just kids. But I've seen many times, yeah, I've seen many times, I'm sure a lot of us have seen this, and it's always made me wonder, you know, kids can be shy and there'd be absolutely nothing wrong. But I know I've seen quite a few times, you know, a kid will, you know, be walking into the living room, I'll just use that, and someone's at the door, the mother goes, she opens up the door to see who's there, and that person, you know, has been somewhat abusive to the kid. The kid's been made to feel uncomfortable. So the mother comes into the room, and she's wearing a skirt. A long skirt. <laughs> I'm, I'm making a little picture here, okay? So, um, so the kid hides behind the mother's skirt and sort of like peeks out at the person. See, they're trying to avoid them. A child who had been friendly with this person all of a sudden wants to get away from that person. They're looking to mommy for protection without verbalizing it. Many times you can learn an awful lot of things by actions. That's why the article speaks about, um, you know, to watch people, all right, to watch them and and see how they uh, how they behave. We have a 310 area code here. I'm not too sure who that is. Do you know anybody 310 area code? I'm going to open up I think the, it's Los uh, Angeles. Hmm. Okay, Hello. 310 area code. Who am I speaking to? Uh, Lakeisha Bell. Okay. Hi. How are you? I'm glad you do you want to just listen, or or do you want to, um, you know, be a part of the panel? You know, um, I had met with. Uh, well, I've I've been a part of NASCA for a few years. I've kind of mm-hmm. been off the radar for a while. Um, um, what was I going to say? I'm actually feeling under the weather today, but I. Um, Told Bill I would try to make it on the show, so I'm I'm okay with listening. But I appreciate it. Okay. Well, if any time you want to uh, speak, you just push the number one, and then I'll know you have a question or you want to make a comment. So that's up to you. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate you calling in. That's good. All right. So getting back to um, what we were speaking about, um, Annie, um, there might be mm-hmm. a couple of things. On on the you know the left hand side, which is for the younger children, and on the right hand side, which is uh, common, you know, with the, the older children. But you see, many times what happens is uh, kids give off messages, and if you're not tuned into what children like uh, childhood behavior and all this other stuff, you may not understand that that child is really actually in trouble. Have you ever seen a kid hide behind the mother's skirt? <laughs> Picked their head out. Oh yes, yeah, yes. Now, 
the kid might just be shy, or the kid might be hiding behind the mother's skirt because this guy all of a sudden became uh, not a friend anymore. The kid is uh, afraid of him and is, uh, is, is trying to say something without verbalizing it. They don't even know how to verbalize because, like what you said earlier, is so true. They don't even know what's going on. Okay? So then they act out in different ways. And you've named the ways that they can act out. They can act sexually, say things that are inappropriate for their age, or um, there's just so many things that they can do. Oh, yeah, fire starters. I've worked with kids that were fire starters, and I was always hoping and praying to God that they didn't burn my house down. You know, <laughs> you know. And uh, but the cruelty to animals. Okay, um, that's very common. The first kid that I knew who was cruel to animals was only eight years old. Eight years old, and and he was killing an animal. I mean, you know, that he'd think nothing of killing birds if he could catch one, you know, um, all this other stuff. And uh, that, too, is something that's very common. And it can happen, too. You know, I've seen it, in fact, with the uh, teenagers, the cruelty to animals. And so that's their way of expressing it's horrible, it's horrific. Uh, to, you know, I, I love animals, eh? <laughs> I love animals. I like animals better than people, okay? I really do. Because all they want is love. You know, feed me, pet me, and, and I'll be your best friend. You know what I'm saying? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, it's uh, it, it's also another thing that people should look at. You see a teenager just for no reason go up and kick a dog. I've seen that. Oh, God, I get mad. Oh. Oh, I've seen that. And, in fact, with my cat, I absolutely adore her. She's a a, a black, um, long-haired Chantilly, fluffy, fluffy chill. I love fluffy oh. animals. But anyway, especially cats. Well, my cat was being stoned. And it wasn't by little kids. I mean, yeah, maybe some were younger than the others, but I'd say up to um, 13 years old. Now, my husband was still alive. And uh, I had him go outside. I feared one look at him, and the kids would run anyway, <laughs> and they did. And uh, he was able to get the cat, and uh, she's been my baby ever since. You know, I mean, I don't know what I'd do without her. Now she's getting old, and I'm getting scared. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, she certainly has had a very good life with me. But that's another action that kids do take, and it's just plain too bad. So anyway, we have something called Project Safe Childhood. And in Project Safe Childhood, they arrested 12,232 unregistered sex offenders. Now, that wasn't that long ago. And unfortunately, and I do mean unfortunately, these children were infants and toddlers who are being abused by the offenders. So you say to yourself, and of course we're an adult show here, but you say to yourself, um, what can they do to an infant for God's sake? Um, Well, if they do the wrong thing, of course, the baby's going to die, isn't it? How disgusting, how disgusting. I can't even go there. But also, too, what do babies do with their mouths? They, They lay there, they lie there. And their tongue is out, and they're, you know what I'm saying? They just, they just, you know, they haven't, maybe they're starting to teeth. 
you know, they're starting to get some teeth or something. Maybe, you know, that's what they're doing. They're going, blah, 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 blah. well, these perverts, and that's what they are. They're monster perverts. Um, they'll use that as an advantage type type thing. And, yes, they'll have the baby. I'm not going to be too specific here, but lick them, okay? That's one thing. And I think that's disgusting. Now, they have a name for them. I have a whole bunch of names for them, but I can't say it on air. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But that's that's the third part of the, um, you know, of the, uh, of, you have the pedophilia and you have the hebophilia. And then you have also the ones I'm speaking of. They call them chronophilias. That's C-H-R-O-N-O-P-H-I-L-I-A-S. And then another organization calls them uh, a little something different, it, and it's called more infotophilia. So you see they have their three classifications. That's my point. You have the young children who are the pedophiles, and they want to go after them. And then you have the hebophilias, like the teenagers. And then you like, uh, you know, they have the, um, the third group, and that's the chronophilias, and they're the ones that that touch infants and also little toddlers, say up to two, three years old. So there's the three different categories. So I did a little research. I had to look into it because I'd forgotten the other two names. But Project Safe Childhood arrested 12,232 unregistered sex offenders, and those are the ones that were into, I'll use it that way, infant and toddlers. And that's just recently. So I was glad to see that. Now, if you don't have anything more to, to say about that, or if I, I'm, I think I've covered that pretty well, um, and we've mentioned already all the types of uh, things that people can look for, which are red flags. That's basically what that is, what you were reading. They're red flags. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, with a child who's being physically abused, Sometimes there is bruising that you can see, and of course, again, they're going to wear the heavy um, type of clothing instead of summer clothing because they have so many bruises. And then also, too, those that we we did discuss, um, they might be itching, and maybe they've unfortunately picked up an STD, um, you know, and, and they're having problems there. Uh, or they'll be coming out with uh, or words that, uh, you know, that are not appropriate for little children to be speaking. And so you have your things that, you know, are red flags. And then, of course, the social behavior, which is, again, the non-eye contact, not being able to make eye contact. Okay, that's that's very important. When a child walks with their head down and they're not able to make eye contact, Watch the child. Okay, there's something going on, and most of the time it's at home. Okay. So stay alert for warning signs of suicide. This is what we're going to talk about now. The reason why I'm bringing up suicide, okay, it's that time of the year, and we do know that that suicide, um, and it, it, it skyrockets. In fact, with men, okay, over the last couple of years, since the COVID and, and a little bit before, 
there have been so many suicides, Annie, a huge amount, and it's more men that are actually uh, committing suicide. And I found that yesterday, and I, I was just plain downright shocked that there were so many, okay? And, um, in fact, the National Institute of Health, that's what it's called, National Institute of Health, NIH, as this year, 2022, males die by suicide 3.5 times more than women. And that gives you hmm. on an average, I know, on an average there are 132 suicides per day. And that's wow. men. So what do we do? I mean, you have untreated depression. Now, men are supposed to be macho. We all know this. And that can cause all kinds of, of problems. Um, men are upset for all different kinds of reasons, as are women. But I'm zeroing in on the men right now since they have the higher amount of suicides. And so I, I went into the Mayo Clinic and um, into their information. And they speak about the suicide, uh, the rate of suicide, how it's tripled since the COVID, and how, you know, men uh, are committing suicide more than, than women. Now, when it comes to suicide in itself, there's things that we have, and this is from the Mayo Clinic .org. Um, number one, talking about suicide, I'm going to kill myself. Years ago, they used to say, oh, if a person says they're going to kill themselves, now this isn't even in um, areas like the DSM, for God's sake, they wouldn't even recognize it as um, something that had to be looked at or watched because, ah, he or she, yeah, they're just full of hot air. They're not, they're not going to kill themselves, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden that person's gone. So now, because it has happened so many times, they're saying that when a person says, that they're going to kill themselves, don't act shocked or anything, or, but keep an eye on the person, okay? Because that person may really mean they're that uncomfortable, they're unhappy. Uh, many times they'll say, I wish I hadn't been born. I've heard people say that. Hell, I've said that. <laughs> now that I think about it, I wish I hadn't been born, especially when I was a teenager. Yeah, I said that a lot. I tried when I was 17, okay? How old were you? I I never attempted suicide overtly, I would say, mm -hmm. but I did things that were dangerous. Right. Like I walked way out into the ocean and kept going until I got deeper and deeper, and then I started swimming, and I got way, way out there. Oh, and I right. just didn't want to come back. That's but I never, I was, I was never really, really suicidal, I don't think. Yeah, but think about it, because that's risky behavior, okay? And that's one of the things we spoke well, yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm glad you're not there now. I'm thankful, okay? You're our Andy, and I don't want you going anywhere, <laughs> you know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay, so... Another type of behavior is people will start stocking up on pills, okay? Uh, whatever they're taking, it can be downers or uppers, whatever it is they're taking, 
they'll start be stocking up on tools. Maybe all of a sudden they'll buy a weapon, like a gun. Okay. And they'll say, oh, I'm keeping it because uh, I don't feel safe. I get it. I don't either. I have one. I don't feel safe. But I didn't just go out and buy it, so don't worry. <laughs> anyway, I love myself too much. All right. So, uh, But anyway, they'll all of a sudden go out and buy a gun, a weapon of some sort. Number three, they may start to isolate. That's where that isolation comes in. That can be for kids, and that can be for adults as well. Number four, the preoccupied with death or violence. Many times people love these movies that are so volatile, okay? And I can take them once in a while, but I don't become preoccupied with them. But they will become preoccupied with them. That's actually showing how they feel the turmoil that's within their own self, their own being. Okay. Feeling trapped or hopeless about a situation. Say they're in a situation they have no way of getting out of it. They don't know how to get out of it. It could be anything. And they don't know what to do about it. Maybe they're living in a house where they can't get out of, where they think they can't leave, whatever it might be. Increasing use of alcohol and drugs. All right? I certainly know about that. Um, Sleeping or eating habits change. And you had mentioned earlier, okay, you see how these things all roll into each other? You had mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. yeah, about anorexia or bulimia. Okay, that's the opposite of anorexia. It doesn't matter who you are either. Okay. I worked with a a therapist at a clinic, and uh, I knew to watch her because she was over-exercising, over-exercising, not eating, and then all of a sudden she'd binge. I mean, she would eat so much she'd actually throw up. I'd hear her in the ladies' room. (laughs) Okay? So I had to take her to a doctor, and I did, because uh, I was afraid she was having problems, and she absolutely did. Okay, so um, let's see, increasing use of Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, driving recklessly. Now, I like speed. I Mm. admit that. Hmm. How many times have I said how much I love bikes? Okay. Um, I like bikes because, to me, it's a free feeling, and any biker that I've ever been with, you know, they always flew. (laughs) I went too fast, and I thought it was fun, okay? I was having a good old time, okay? But driving recklessly is not smart for anyone. You can do that in a car, too, so, okay, driving recklessly. Um, Giving away belongings or getting affairs in order. I give a lot of my belongings away, but it's because I have too much. I'm trying to clean my house. Okay, but people all of a sudden, if they're considering suicide, all of a sudden they'll get their affairs in order. Saying goodbye to people like they won't be seen again. There's a way of saying goodbye to someone, and then there's a way of saying goodbye to someone. And there is a difference. Okay. Um, Developing personality changes or becoming very anxious or agitated well, I think that can be used on all, well, not the littlest kids. Well, maybe a little bit with the agitation. 
But, um, yeah, and maybe anxious. A lot of times kids are, are said they have uh, ADHD. Go into their house first before you, you know, prescribe all that medicine. Not saying there's anything wrong with medicine because there isn't. And maybe the child does have ADHD, attention disorder, you know, hyperactivity. But sometimes there's a, a reason for it right at home. Okay, you have to find those things out, or they, they should. They don't have the personnel to do that, but I'm just saying. And remember, you can't fix the person's depression. You can't. But your support and understanding can help. In other words, sit down with them, try to talk with them, try to get them help, therapy, have them go to a therapist or whatever. And it says right here, yeah, uh, locate helpful organizations. And the National Alliance on Mental Health, which I've heard of, of course, the the National Alliance on Mental Health uh, Illness, um, that's someone good to contact, too, if you have a family member, say or someone who's close to you one way or another, you can uh, contact that person. They can, you know, give you ideas of good therapists in your area. So it says here, many faith-based organizations offer help. That I didn't know. Not with that anyway. Not with depression. And can guide them to proper therapists. Well, maybe they can do that. Um, People go to church, come from all walks of life. So, you know, it it could be that they know of some good therapy and good therapists. That's a possibility. Say for a family member who's really upset and thinking that, you know, someone that they love is going to commit suicide. They're changing. Things are different. They they lack, um, if it's their spouse, they lack um, sexual desire. Um, Maybe they start moping around. Um, Yes, the eating habits change. Um, They have a sadness about them, and uh, they just act totally different. If you fear someone is going to have or harm themselves, maybe they are standing right in front of you, you know. You call 911 or your local emergency number. You do that. You do that. Don't second guess it. Are you still there, Annie? I am, yes. Okay. I know you have to leave early, so I'm, I'm just checking. So um, Yeah, no, I'm still anyway, here. Yeah. So keep in mind that um, if you see a change in, in a friend some, or, or someone at, at home, you know, one of your family members, whatever, whomever, and, uh, you know, watch their behavior. Now, we've given you the list. Annie has read them off, things to look for, and I've read them off also, things to look for. Um, sit down, talk to the person, and ask them what the heck's wrong with you. You know, I can see, I can see that there's a change in you. What's bothering you? Can I help you? Sometimes people need that, Annie. They need to know that someone cares enough about them. And and if they're a male, especially because men are supposed to be all macho and tough and and all this other stuff, that's something that hasn't changed over the years. Okay. Not that women can't be strong, don't get me wrong, but men still hold that title, if you will, where they're to be the ones that are the strong ones, the tough ones, uh, the ones that are going to fix everything, (laughs) and the family, whatever. But sometimes they need fixing, and we can't fix them. Not a counselor, 
That's me. I can't fix people who are depressed. They have to fix themselves. Remember that. I don't care if you're going to a counselor, a therapist, a psychiatrist. I don't care who you're going to. Um, They can't fix you unless, number one, you want to be fixed. Number two, you do cooperate. Um, And, you, you know, you give them the reasons why you think that you're feeling. So they have something to work with. I mean, that's only fair. But then also remember, too, they work for you. And if you do get to the point where you want to have a therapist or a counselor or whomever, a psychiatrist, whatever, um, you can uh, go from one to the other until you find someone that you feel not exactly comfortable with. I'm going to talk about that for a second. But someone that you can, you know, communicate with. You feel like you're going to be able to communicate with this person. You can do that. Remember, they don't own you. They work for you. Okay, that's important. Now, with the therapists and so forth, um, they make people feel like uh, like they're God or something, you know, and they're going to fix you and all this other stuff. But if they can't, they can't, and they should they should be honest with you, and then they should always have someone to refer you to. No therapist or counselor or psychiatrist should ever drop, and I, I ran into this the other day with someone, they were dropped by their, their psychiatrist. Never should anyone drop a, a patient like that. Especially if they're suicidal, right, Annie? Think about it. And then all of a sudden they get dropped by them too, you know? Okay. But um, people at home, you call 911 or your local emergency number. Um, People who are clinically depressed, and that is the worst type of clinical depression, they have to be watched the most. And uh, a lot of times they they will be suicidal, and they'll they'll suffer from suicidal ideations and um, can be a main problem and actually try it. Okay, they're going to play, they're probably going to try it. And I was diagnosed as clinically depressed at one point in my life in my early 20s, which I'm not anymore. Okay? Okay. Also, they have relationship problems. Um, you can tell when a person's depressed because they'll have all kinds of relationship problems. If they do have a job, uh they're going to have trouble with their peers at work. And, and all this other thing, and they're going to have maybe trouble start being uh, arrogant at home or very anxious and be snapping at people. And there's just all kinds of red flags. And that's what people have to learn are the red flags so that they can help, you know, their family members, the ones they love, or being a good community member, right? So yep. what, we've dis- what we've discussed tonight, and again, I can't tell you how much I I believe this, especially in urban areas. Um, The kids down the block, they might see things. Or maybe the adults down the block, they see things. They know something, but they keep their mouth shut. This has gone on for too long. And a lot of states are at the point now where every single state, every single state, uh, everyone can be a mandated reporter now. There's two different types of mandated reporters. Yes, you have the professionals or the teachers or the the professors, the nurses, the doctors, the dentists, the Indian chiefs, I don't know, all those people. And uh, But then you also have the community people, 
And remember, the police department really looks to you for help. All right? They, they need all the help that they can get when it comes to a child, say, being abused. Anything you know about, anything you know about, for God's sake, make a phone call. And if you can, go down to the police department. And, and they'll look into it. And, and, again, you might be somebody's hero. So, Annie, what do you think about all of this? I think that I would be scared to go to the police department. It just would scare me. And I think mm-hmm. what I would do would be to call 1-800-4-CHILD and right. report it to them And because mm-hmm. they'll take steps. They'll they'll take steps then. Um I would feel safer making that phone call than calling a police department. I don't okay. know why, really. Maybe it's the legal thing. I don't know. Well, I certainly tell people all the time to call a 1-800-4-CHILD um, because yeah. I've had them on the show. And you know that I call them at 2 o'clock in the morning making like I was a person in distress. <laughs> I'm so bad because I wanted to see if they were real, okay? Um yeah, I had gotten, well, I did that because I had gotten um, some complaints, not against them, but in general, where people would call these hotline services. And either, number one, you'd get um, a recording to leave your telephone number, and, and then they wouldn't get back to them. Okay. Oh. Things like that. So I, then I came across 1-800-4-CHILD, and uh, we have them on our cards the cards that we give out right here at NASCA. And uh, I've had them on the show. Uh, I've told Bill, I think it's time. Let's get them on. We've had them on three times now, I think. And I think they're a wonderful organization. I'm actually in that organization here in Los Angeles in a, you know, in a regional group. And Child Help is the name of the organization. Right. And I have a wonderful person friend of mine who could come and talk about it if you want she's That'd be so great. enthusiastic Absolutely. about it yeah mm-hmm. she's president See, I usually of call, our um, local I, I usually call I think her name is Claire I have it written down somewhere um, you know from 1-800-4-CHILD and, and, uh, and then also the child help and she's been on like I said three times child help but certainly if you have someone you know um, in the California region area. That's wonderful, okay? Yeah. Um, now, 1-800-4-CHILD, I want people to understand this. Yes, that's a safe way. That's a good way. I'm so used to working with cops, Annie. This, <laughs> I think of them first. Yeah. But, you know, through detention, we had police there because those kids committed adult crimes. Gee, I wonder why, you know? <laughs> but anyway, the point is this. Um, the 1-800-4-A-CHILD number is all throughout the country. It covers the whole country, all right? And uh, it's like the universal number that we use throughout, um, you know, our country. And they are wonderful. So when I called that night, just for the uh, to let people know on the outside, Annie already knows, but um, the a counselor, it, they'll play music, okay? But that means they're busy, so don't hang up. If you, if you call the 1-800-4-CHILD number, and all you hear is music, you're thinking, hmm. Now, I almost hung up. I didn't realize. See, they're so busy, Annie, because people are making phone calls. This is good. 
But because of what yes. we're going through in our world today, all the stats for every of the every one of the abuses have uh, tripled. So if they thought they were busy before, oh Lord God, what are they doing now? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, don't yeah. So hang on for a minute, minute and a half, and and they'll come to the phone. You tell them who you are. And uh, what you, you know, what you're afraid of, you know, what it is that you think you know about individuals down the street, whatever. And uh, they will absolutely direct you. They will direct you to the people that you need to speak to. And, and, and times, I think they even make phone calls for you, depending on the situation. And um, they're a very, 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 very good organization. So I always highly recommend them. Because kids feel alone. When we say kids don't have a voice, there's a reason for that, isn't there, Annie? You bet. Absolutely. Who are they going to talk to? Well, I didn't have anyone to talk to. <laughs> I could talk to myself, you know. I could talk to the teddy bear over at the other end of the room. But uh, they didn't talk back, you know what I'm saying? Not the teddy bear. I don't know. Kids need help is my point. And um, there are some organizations that kids can, you know, turn to. I know that the uh, guardian angels can be uh, can be your friend, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're not to be. Don't be afraid, you know. Like if you're a little kid, you and you're being smacked around, being all kinds of abuse at home, you know, uh, maybe little kids aren't going to approach them because I, you know, it's better if someone like us or whomever. Uh, interested party, you know, sits down, gets to know the kid first, and then, you know, goes from that direct route. However, the guardian angels certainly are someone that people can go to, like adults can go, hey, listen, I know that so-and-so down the street, and then they'll intervene, and they will help. They will get, you know, help. They work with kids Mm -hmm. all the time, Annie. They even have junior guardian angels now in the schools. I think that's so cute. I really do. Because a lot of times kids will talk to kids before they'll talk to adults. Now, that's something Bill used to say. You know, a lot of times they'll, you know, they feel more comfortable talking. They find they'll come out and say something. And, um, but again, with the community, this is something that has to be, you know, changed. And if we get out there, you know, and we do our presentations. COVID is just about gone as far as I'm concerned. And I never got it, thank God. I mean, there are some people still getting it. Don't get me wrong. In fact, uh, one of my family members says it now. <laughs> nice. And he said, oh, it's almost gone. Well, it is almost gone in comparison to what it was. Let's put it that way. And it's a different strain, and it doesn't last forever. Okay, this is a different type. And uh, it lasts for like five days. You stay in the house for five days and you're better. And then you have to go out with a mask, I think. Um, I don't know, maybe for a week or something. But um, the point is it's not like it was. And it's not nearly as much out there. So it's up to you if you want to wear a mask or not. But the point is right now, um, I think it's going to be we the people that are going to make change. When all this political stuff, you know, settles down, if it does, uh, 
you know, then I think the more things are going to happen, and I'll just say this. I'm going to just say this, Annie. Now, you know I'm a political buff because I had a grandfather. Found out later on he wasn't my blood, but I still look at him as my grandfather, who was um, mayor of, of Westwood, New Jersey, two times, okay? Two terms. So I always heard politics. Oh, yes, I did. Grew up with it. But I happened to be one that got fascinated by it. A lot of people are turned off by it. (laughs) To each his own. I get it. I get it. But um, one of the worst things I heard last night, and and Victoria knows because I I got on the phone and I I saw she was still awake. And this happens to be taking place in California. And if it's taking place in California, it's going to go all the way across the country probably, especially in the Democratic. And I'm not being rude here. In fact, some of my family members are Democrats. We just have different views, believe me. But um, almost 7,000 people, now I'm talking about prisoners, have been let out of jail who are pedophiles in California. And some of them, the most recent ones, had only been in jail for two days of their sentence, and they let them out. Why? Now, doesn't that make you kind of, now you say, you mentioned, are you from California? Where are you from? I forget. I, I am. I'm people. in California. Okay, I'm check it LA out. I'm in L.A. area. Okay, perfect. Check it out. Go to Fox News, Hannity. He's, that's where I heard it. And then he had someone come on as a guest, and they were talking about it. Someone who works in the police department or whatever, or at least in the system. And... um I think 262 were the most recent and very, you know, like just some days ago or they're going to be. Now, when you have a survivor, and we're all survivors on NASCA, when you have a survivor hearing that, people who are not far into their healing journey can very easily get triggered. Oh, yeah. I would think. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't believe it, so I recorded it. And I you know to what it I again. want? What do you want? I want, I want life, life sentence, no parole for right. anyone who abuses a child. Just put them away. Let's be serious about this. Put them away and let everyone see what's going to happen to you if you hurt a child. You're going to go away, and you're never coming out. That's my And you know dream. what? I think that's an excellent idea, and you know what? Now, too many studies over the last 30 years have been done on these pedophiles, and uh, they see that they're going to, the recidivism rate, all right? They say, oh, it's low. Well, it's not so. It's high, okay? And then we have people coming in from other countries and all that stuff. Look, I, I know about Ellis Island for many, many years ago. I wasn't born yet. We're talking about 1901, thank you, <laughs> or somewhere in there. And, um, but, you know, they wouldn't let, you know, people like that into the country. They had to have certain papers. Um, as far as the Italian people, I have Italian in me. Um, if they didn't have their papers, they called them WAP. Well, that stuck, didn't it? There's nothing but a WAP. Well, WAP means without papers. Now, they had a system, and if you didn't have... The papers, 
you were sent back. Or if mm. you came into the country and you were very ill, you were sent back so that, yeah, you know, I they're not bringing that. in, you know, yes. And yeah. there's no rhyme or reason for what's going on in California. I love San Francisco. I went there with Marty once, had a blast. But um, but also New York. Any of the big, Chicago, come on. There's too much crime. There's too much this. There's too much that. All this stuff going on. And the homeless, oh, my God. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's a big I, I, I have no words for it. I have no words for it. I actually ran out of words. <laughs> I mean, it's deplorable, okay? And the, this is not the America that we were born into. It just isn't. But I, I had people come over from Ellis Island. I found this out through Ancestry. And, um, you know, all these things. And a lot of them were carpenters. A lot of them were masons, the Italians, because I had Italian in me. And um, a, a lot of them had so much to offer. And the ones maybe who weren't as skilled, they put them on the railroads. So that's how our railroad systems, you know, were started. And all this other stuff. That's how our America became what it is. So, you see, we have, um, I, I, I have a lot of empathy for people who come from other countries where maybe they're mistreated so horribly, okay, maybe they're beaten, maybe maybe they go through those horrible sexual things that we talk about once in a while, but you know what I'm talking about with the women, um, depending on where they come from, uh, the third world countries, all this other stuff. Um, that's not humane, it's not smart, it's stupid, and it should not be. And uh, these people, I feel very sorry for them, but unfortunately, you have then, of course, the cartel. And that's the ones who are bringing in all the terrible drugs into our country. And so now we have 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds dying. They go to their parties, they pop a pill. Not that they should be popping pills, don't get me wrong. Uh, and it's laced with fentanyl and they die. What is this? It's crazy. Yeah. So you can be darn sure that I want change. So I think those of us, you know, who are very familiar with the urban areas and so forth, but, again, it doesn't have to just be urban areas. I'm up in the sticks right now, and and I see things. And, uh, you know, we have to open up our hearts and, and care enough about children and our fellow man in general, that if we see something, yes, make the phone call. And you, you don't have to give your name. So there you go. You know that 1-800-4-CHILD number? That's mm-hmm. for kids to use, too. I want listeners to know if there happens to be a kid listening out there, you're welcome to use that number. Kids can use that number to call and say someone's hurting me. That's good to know. That's good to know. You see, it's so important. I wish that phone number was in every school, you know, in every school bathroom, on every wall, so kids would know they have someone to call. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. It should be up on the wall where it's easily, you know, it's displayed. It should be, it should be a law. 
okay? Yeah. To have that number up on the wall. I agree with you. That's a good idea, Annie. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Because, you see, if kids, that's kid-friendly. That's what that is. That's kid-friendly. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, Let's I like that a lot. get our paintbrushes out. We'll go paint it on the walls in all the bathrooms in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And then that way they wouldn't <laughs> feel so alone, okay? Because they yeah, know that they right. can call that number. When I worked at Greystone Psychiatric, okay, as a um, state-certified technician, there was a state number up on the wall. But you see, so many of the people were so far gone mentally, they didn't even know what that number was. And I'm going to tell you something, honestly. There were some technicians, they weren't state certified, but there were still technicians uh, that abused some of them, okay? Not nice. Abuse is in the facilities that we talk about so often. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and it, it's everywhere. Abuse is everywhere of certain different kinds. doesn't matter where you are. I had one call that number when I worked there. And we got a hold of the state. And unfortunately, all right, he was he was uh, diagnosed with uh, you know schizophrenia, but uh, he wasn't so schizophrenic. He was still early. I mean, he was like um, 32 years old, and um, he wasn't like uh, an older person because the older you get when you're schizophrenic, you become like a baby. You actually go backwards. You regress so badly that you become like a child. Well, he had a long ways to go for that. So he had been abused. I'm not going to say how. This is a facility. This is a hospital. And uh, a lot of the mental hospitals have been torn down. And this one was torn down. I loved Greystone to look at because it was gothic looking. It had been around since the late 1800s. Very cool looking. But it was full Mm -hmm. of asbestos. So they oh. had to knock the yeah they had to knock the buildings down, and I'm sure that all the people there that worked there 25 30 years or or patients who had been there for 25 30 years and ended up dying there, I'll bet you a lot of them had bad lungs. I'll bet you. Yeah, yeah. I, I even have a little bit of a bad lung. <gasps> you hear that? <laughs> I'm yep. not going to the doctor. I don't want to know, okay? <laughs> That's just the way I am. <laughs> you know, I'm still breathing. Uh, I can still run. Leave me alone, okay? <laughs> so, um, but anyway, the point is we had a very good show, and I think we were able to give out a lot of information. And I thank you so much for being my co-host tonight. And um, the gentleman who had called the 310 area code number, um, I hope that... Uh, you know, you found this to be interesting. We tried to educate, too, on, on uh, NASCAR. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, you know, quite a few of us that can do that, so uh, that's why we do it. And other times I just mm-hmm. act like a clown, don't I? <laughs> I don't know. But we're going to have um, someone on tomorrow night, and we have a guest, and I'm running tomorrow night show also. And um, her name is Sonova, and I'm not going to say much more than that. But um, so she knows she will be telling her story tomorrow night. And then I think, I'm not sure, it's on a Thursday, on, I think it's the 15th, but I'm not sure in December. Um, I have to look it up on the calendar schedule. Um, that uh, she'll be starting on a monthly basis, okay, once a month. 
Nice. Because, yeah, because we're down one person, evidently. So then I can be vice president and host and not worry about running educational shows. <laughs> I'll let her do it. <laughs> so, yeah, because she'll be on Fridays. But, you know, we'll we'll do it together. That's what we'll do. She's a, she's a coach, and, that, and I think it's going to work out well. I hope so. So anyway, we're waiting for the 90-second queue. It's going to come on. What time do you have? Because this computer, I'm using the old one tonight. I've 28 minutes past the hour. Okay, 20 minutes past the hour. All right. So 28. what do you want to leave for the people? Oops. Oh, there's a 90-second queue. We don't have to worry about that one. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Look, we did well. It was a good show. We gave them a lot of information. And um, tomorrow we're going to have a guest, like I said, and I'm sure she'll be very interesting. So thank you again, sweetie, for being on. And um, also, thank you. I was listening. Yeah. And I think we did good. Yes, I do. I think we did very well. Okay. So good night. God bless. I have to wrap the show up. And um, we'll see you tomorrow. Good night. Good night, honey. Bye. Bye now. Okay. Oops. What happened here? Love Talk Radio. Okay, there we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten.